we're in a series called The Way of Wisdom and taking our text from Proverbs 4 when the writer of Proverbs says, I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the right paths. Now, we're looking at various aspects of wisdom and biblical wisdom. Uh, we established the very uh, first lesson of this series, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. And knowledge, uh, I, I used this analogy the very first week, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, right? But wisdom is what? Yeah, exactly. You were listening. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad, right? <clears throat> so knowledge is information, and we have no shortage of information in the day that we live in. But we are a little light on wisdom. <laughs> we need, in our nation, and our world, we need a baptism of godly wisdom. What do we do with all of the information that is flowing in every single day, all of the situations that we're concerned? That's where wisdom comes in. And tonight, we are talking specifically, we, we've talked about the worth of wisdom, and, and we've, uh, we've talked about the works of wisdom, and, and tonight, we're going to talk about the warning of wisdom, wisdom's warning. Wisdom gives us some very clear warning in Scripture, and that's what we're going to examine in a little more detail here tonight. I don't know about you, but I need, I have to live with a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord in my life. And I said it a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday, our world would do good to have a renewed dose of the fear of God come upon it. We need the fear of God. Ecclesiastes uh, is where we're going to be turning our attention. And there's a, a particular translation that's printed out in your notes, and you can follow along with that. And we'll be kind of walking through a little bit of the wisdom writing by Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. But as we look in, in Scripture, we, we see this story unfold as this young king sits on the throne and uh, his, his outward posture of surety and confidence is, is really only hiding what must have been the inward nervousness and trepidation as he was facing matters that were, uh, quite frankly, uh, complex. And he has this line of people in Scripture that are waiting to hear from him, this line of people that are waiting for him to give them his wisdom and to help them execute judgments. This particular king had a brother by the name of Absalom who had almost stolen the kingdom from their father, David. And he, he drew followers away and he distracted what God was trying to do through the leadership of King David. And this, this fledgling, this young monarch knew he had a responsibility. He knew he had a responsibility to, to guard the kingdom from further division and to protect uh, any of those that would be led astray. And there's all of these matters that are confronting his rule, his young rule. And of all of the matters, one of the most drastic we read about in Scripture is these two women that come to him. 
and they had babies that were of the same gender and, and of the same age. And they, these two babies, one of them died in the night. And the other woman, who the, baby, the woman whose baby had died, had swapped the babies in the middle of the night. And these women come to the king. They, they come to Solomon. And they, they petition their case. And, you know, Solomon wasn't there. He didn't see whose baby was what. Solomon didn't have a DNA kit he could order from 23andMe or Ancestry.com. Solomon had no way in an earthly approach to wisdom to know the right judgment to make. There was no information that they presented him that was conclusive about what he should do. But Solomon, after carefully and cautiously hearing both sides of the story, and, and, and even a wise bit of leadership example for us, he, after hearing both sides of the story, he rehearsed it back to them to make sure he understood the situation correctly. And, and, and who knows, in these line of people that were lined up to hear his judgment, there were probably some of them that thought that he was the greatest king Israel that had ever witnessed. And there were probably some that looked at him and said, man, our king, he's got a great personality, but he's dumb as a box of rocks. He doesn't know anything. No doubt he had his supporters and his detractors. But in this situation and in multiple situations, Solomon recognized that it was not man's wisdom that was going to get the job done. It was not human reasoning that was going to bring resolution to the issue. Solomon recognized that if he was going to execute wise judgments, it was only going to be with wisdom from above. And I'll add that Solomon succeeded where other kings had failed because he understood that he needed the wisdom of God, that earthly wisdom is good to a certain degree. But brothers and sisters, earthly wisdom has its very sure limitations. I mean, I just read a story recently. There they're, they're debating how much, not if, but how much of our science textbooks to rewrite because new technology is allowing them to uh, understand new discoveries about space and the universe. And, and their new technology and new discoveries have completely disproved a bunch of previous theories that were taught as fact reminding us that human wisdom is finite. Human wisdom, in other words, is limited. Human wisdom only goes so far. But God sees and knows everything. God doesn't just see everything, every action, but God knows the thoughts and the intents of every man and woman's heart. And so if we seek him for wisdom, the Bible says God will give us that wisdom liberally. God will give us his wisdom. So if, with that understanding, we have to remind ourselves 
that to get God's wisdom, we must follow his commands. To get God's wisdom, we have to be humble enough to ask for God's wisdom. To get God's wisdom, we have to be self-aware enough to know that we don't have all the answers. Now, how many recognize you don't have all the answers? You don't know. I don't even understand. I don't even understand some of the questions. We don't have all the answers. But God does. His Spirit's inside of us. And if we'll seek Him first in His wisdom, He's going to reveal to us His way. Ecclesiastes 12, we read through this passage. It's really a, a, a warning of, of wisdom. It's a, it's a wise warning. In Ecclesiastes 12, 1, and I'm, I'm reading through portions of this that is printed in your notes uh, from, the, I've got a King James version of the Bible here physically, but I've got the New Living Translation printed in your notes because it, it makes a couple of these passages just a little bit clearer for us. Uh, he, he says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life isn't pleasant anymore. Honor him in your youth. Look at your neighbor and say, you look really young. <laughs> and listen to this, what he says. He says, remember him before the light of the sun and the moon and the stars is dim in your old eyes and rain clouds darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, uh, the guards of your house start to tremble. And, and in other words, he's saying you get unstable on your legs and remember him before your shoulders, strong men begin to stoop. And remember him, this one I, I thought was particularly uh, interesting, remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants. Stop grinding. <laughs> and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows is what he likens the eyes to see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities are closed and the sound of work fades and you raise, uh, and now you raise at the first chirping of the birds. But he says one day sounds are going to grow faint. What he's causing us to realize is that what I preached uh, a couple of Sundays ago is life is not sure tomorrow. He, that, that all of us are marching toward eternity at a speed that we are completely unaware of. Say it again. Every one of us is marching towards eternity at a speed that you are completely unaware of. We better get this right. We better get this right. We better be pleasing to God and hear the warning of wisdom. He says, remember him before you come fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets and your hair turns white like an almond blossom and you drag along your energy like a dying grass. What an imagery. You drag along your energy like a dying grasshopper. I'm telling you, there's some days that I feel like I'm dragging my energy like a dying grasshopper. <laughs> he says, remember him. Remember him before all of this in, in, in life begins to fade. What he's saying is don't Delay. Look at your neighbor and say, don't delay. Look at your neighbor and say, don't delay. Turn to somebody else, say, don't delay. 
Verse 8 says, everything is meaningless, the teacher says, completely meaningless. Yeah, I, I, knew there were, I know some of you are looking at, I, I, I stopped reading part of that verse. I, I recognize that. And some of you are like, where are we going with this lesson, Pastor? Not there. Um, <laughs> Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 8. Some of you got real nervous. Uh, he says, everything is meaningless. <laughs> I don't know if that clip's going to make it on social media. Um, everything is meaningless. Everything is worthless. What's he, what's he saying? Uh, this, this great teacher, this great preacher, if you're looking at the King James, Solomon, is complete. What he's saying is only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do that is eternal will last. All the works of this earth are going to be burned up. Every accolade, every degree, every trophy, every title, every house, every job, every car, every collection is one day going to be no more. What the wise teacher Solomon is warning us is he saying, look at your life because only the legacy that you're building for eternity is what will last. Nothing else you do. I saw a picture uh, yesterday uh, of Tom Brady. Love him or hate him, the dude's a winner. Tom, if you don't know who Tom Brady is, it's one of the 12 apostles. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, football player, American football player. And he's got all of his rings on his, his fingers and, and all the accolades and, and arguably one of the goats, one of the greats of any sport of all time, love him or hate him, it's hard to argue with that. He's got all of his rings on his fingers. And as I'm preparing for this lesson, that image came to me. One day that's gonna be burned up. One day, the trumpet is going to sound. One day, uh, eternity is going to come, whether by the trumpet, the rapture, or death. Eternity is going to come to all of us. And not even one sliver of the gold or silver on that ring is going to matter one single bit. Not one of his practices, uh, not one of his games, not one of his Super Bowls is going to be anything on his mind his first step into eternity. And I'm telling you tonight and myself that Nothing we do in this life, nothing we do for the here and now, nothing we have in this life is going to last. You're not going to carry a U-Haul into your eternity. So get all the toys, all the stuff, all the junk, whatever you want to get. But the warning of wisdom is that one day it's going to come to an end and all this world is meaningless. You, I better make sure I'm investing in eternity. I better make sure I'm investing in the kingdom of God. Only what I do for Christ will last. That's why, can I just jump back to family month a couple of months ago? Can I just jump back into family month and encourage every mother, every father, every family here, every husband, every wife, anybody in the family of God, let me just encourage you. We better make our priorities and evaluate our time and evaluate how we spend our time. I told you during family month, there's 168 hours in the week. We spend about two and a half of them maybe at church that gives you about a hundred and 
65 and a half hours for other things, and, and, and we better make sure that we are making the kingdom of God a priority. We better make sure that we're making eternal things a priority. We better set some eternal standards in our life that we do not compromise on. Parents, I, remember I told you, we, we got to be aware. We got to be careful because uh, our kids are spending seven hours a day. Our kids spend more hours in school before lunch on Monday that they will total spend time at the church all week long. Think about that. Before they hear the lunch bell, they will have already spent more time in school than they will spend if you are here at both services every single week. Think about that. We better evaluate our priorities uh, in the terms of eternity. We've got to look at ourselves because the wise writer of, uh, uh, of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, says all that is worthless. It's meaningless. And then he says in verse 11, the words of the wise are like cattle prods. <laughs> Painful. <laughs> and, and after that, what I just said, we could probably all say amen. Painful but helpful. He says there, collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick which a, a, a sheep herder, a, a shepherd, drives sheep. Painful, but helpful. Let me just help somebody here, okay? Wisdom, counsel, and advice is almost never comfortable. The wisest man in Scripture outside of Jesus Christ, Solomon, said, wisdom, these wise sayings are painful. Now, we can just stop and talk about that right there. Because some people, the minute you give them a piece of painful advice, they're done. They're going to quit the job. He just, my boss, don't tell me what to do. Don't, you, we, we, this is attitude in our day. Nobody tells me nothing. You, everybody okay? But the wise man Solomon says, if you're going to receive wisdom, it's going to be painful. But it's going to be helpful. I thank God. I thank God for all the times that I've had to hear painful wisdom because if I heed it with humility, it helps me. It helps me grow. It helps me develop. It knocks the rough edges off of our life. When the, the very thing sometime that we, mm, sometimes the very thing we don't want to hear is the very thing we need to hear. Well, Sometimes the very thing we need somebody to tell us is the very thing we're resistant to hearing from anybody. But Solomon said wisdom is, is it's painful. It's like a cattle prod. Has there anybody in here, don't lie, anybody in here ever got shocked with a cattle prod? All right, yeah, we got a couple rodeo folks here. I know they have. <laughs> but you're in the minority, my friend. The, I don't want it. It's all you got it. I'm glad, I'll take your word for it. Right? When I was when I was working with the police department and and uh, in in the chaplain as a chaplain in St. Louis, did that for 12 years, and uh, they would routinely, as a part of uh, you know 
exercise training, there was more than once they, uh, they would offer to, uh, you know, just like they're offering you a cupcake or something if you want to get tased or pepper sprayed. Man. And then these guys are like, yeah, 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 give it to me, give it to me. I'm like, D-U-M-B dumb. Like, I think, like, like, like tough guys, you know, boom, crack their head. <laughs> I think, you didn't ever do it, Pastor? No. <laughs> Thank God for wisdom. That's, that's I mean, yeah, I mean, I ain't got nothing. I'm, I'm at that stage. I, I got to that stage of life actually a long time ago. I ain't got nothing to prove to nobody. Like, man, if you can take it, great. Go stun yourself into oblivion. I'm going to just watch you and video. <laughs> a cattle prod. It's, it's going to shock you, right? You ever see somebody get tased? And I mean, they're running and, and uh, it gets them and boom, boom, they're down, Right? He says the words of the wise are like, they're like that. Just imagine that YouTube video that you watched or or the one that you're going to go look up because now I got you thinking about it or probably all of our devices are listening and they're all going to be on our devices when we walk out of here in our Facebook feed. But but just think of that, that dude that's running and and they tase him, boom, that's words, that's like words of wisdom. It stops you in your tracks, and it doesn't feel good. But it might keep somebody from running off a broken bridge. But if we'll heed the wisdom, if we'll listen to the wisdom, it will keep us from destruction. It is painful, but it's helpful. Look at your neighbor and say, good wisdom Hurt so good. But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful in writing books, endless, and, and study. It wears you out. He says you can get so much in man's wisdom is what he's talking about in verse 12. Timothy said, study to show thyself prove a workman uh, unto God that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing, not the greatest self-help book on the market today, but the word of truth. We've got to be careful. There's a lot of wisdom out there that is digested and put into a more palatable form for all of us uh, in, in the form of books. And, and, and you've heard me say readers are leaders, and I encourage everybody that can to be a reader. If you can't be a reader, listen to something on audio that will help grow you and develop you. But at the end of the day, man's wisdom has a limitation. But there is one book that I can go to for anything and everything and apply its wisdom to my life. That's why he said in verse thing, verse 13, here's the final conclusion. Hear God and obey his commandments. What he tells us in this passage is right now is the right time to serve God. Right here and right now. We live in a day of convenience. We live in a day where we're used to having everything quick and we're used to having everything easy. And, and maybe some of you remember or maybe you still enjoy the day where we would, uh, you know, sit on the back porch or the front porch and, and sip some sweet tea and actually have a face-to-face conversation with some people and neighbors walking by and gather around the porch and everybody would just kind of talk, Right? And now we recluse to our couch with a 
bowl of Rocky Road ice cream and, and our thousands of Facebook friends. <laughs> and we feel isolated and we feel disconnected, but, but it, it, sometimes technology and, and the convenience of our day cuts us off from the real friends and the real people that we ought to be <laughs> engaging with. But what I'm saying is in our comfortable, uh, technologically advancing, uh, user-friendly world, you would think that we would be able to find a little more time for God. But it seems like the longer we live on this earth, that the more it's a struggle to find time for God, the more it's a struggle to find time for some to pray, to read their Bible, to come to church, to, to, to be faithful. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings here tonight. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. But I am here to teach about wisdom's warning. And the warning of the wise man in Scripture says, we better take heed because every one of us is on a march towards eternity and we don't know how many more steps are in our individual march. So we better be careful that we honor God with our lives every day of our life. Now is the time to live for God. The writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, he says there's going to come a time where, where strength is going to be gone and time is going to rob us from opportunity and strength. Remember thy creator, he said in verse 1, in the days of thy youth. Remember your creator right here and right now. Everybody in here, here you're, if you think I'm talking to young people, you're young enough. If you can hear my voice, you're young enough to remember your creator. You're young enough to obey the warning of wisdom in Scripture. What he's telling us is don't forget God. In all of our going, in all of our doing, in all of our careers, and in all of our endeavors, and in all of our hobbies, and all of those things, don't let God just be one of the things that you do. But if you're going to live a wise life with eternity in mind, God has to go at the top of the shelf. God has to go at the top of the stack. My relationship with him, my activity in the kingdom, my, my faithfulness in the kingdom, it's got to go at the top of the heap. I've got to make the decision that I'm going to serve God right now. Now, we don't just serve God out of fear. We're not just serving God. It's serving God. Our salvation is not just some fire insurance policy to keep us from a fiery hell. But we're to be serving God faithfully and diligently. Why? Because we're leading others to know Jesus. We're bringing others to grow in Jesus. We're bringing others to the place of ministry where they can begin to show Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing as disciples of Jesus Christ. We've got to remember the fear of the Lord. And so it was, this, it was with this healthy appreciation for the finality of life and the surety of eternity that Solomon warns us and says, remember your God. Why do we remember God? Because one day God is going to look at every one of our works and he is going to judge, the Bible says, God is going to judge every one of our works. God is gonna, and he's gonna righteously judge. Newsflash. He's not judging by my standards or your standards. 
He's judging by his standard. He's not judging by what is culturally acceptable in any given year, and that changes year to year, right? I remember the good old days when there were two genders. It's a joke. There still is two genders. I, I remember when we weren't facing all the stuff that we're facing right now, right? God's not judging by this world standards. He's judging by the eternal, everlasting standard of his word. He's gonna righteously judge us. This reality, it shouldn't make us cower in fear as in we are afraid, but we ought to walk in the fear of the Lord as in reverence of the commands of God. Reverently walking in the commands of God. Reverently serving God. Reverently doing our best to obey his word and his will because one day judgment is going to come. <clears throat> one woman was, was doing wrong one day and she didn't want to stop doing wrong and, and she disliked greatly feeling judged by others whether she was actually judged, which by the way, let me just throw this out there as just a little bonus track for somebody, okay? Uh, maybe somebody watching online later on or somebody here, here in the podcast from somewhere around the world. Let me just throw this out there. Sometimes nobody's judging you but yourself. But because you're convicted about your sin, you think everybody that looks at you is judging you. I said it. <laughs> Sometimes folks get an attitude like, man, they're looking at me. They're judging me. They're, they're, no, you're just walking in guilt. <laughs> you're walking in guilt. And when you're walking in guilt and you just did something wrong and the cops show up, <laughs> you think they're coming for you. <laughs> <Woo. laughs> when you're walking in guilt, Sorry, it's a little inside joke over here tonight, sorry. When you're, when you're walking in guilt, when you're guilty, you think it's all about you, right? If you're driving the speed limit and you haven't run any stop signs and run anybody off the road, it doesn't worry you, and there's not a warrant out for your arrest. It doesn't worry you when you see a, a, a police car driving behind you. But when you've been doing about 15 over the speed limit, and driving around a little bit, like you shouldn't, and you see that car, you. oh God, <laughs> pastor said you can do anything, <laughs> right? When, you, when you're walking in guilt, when you're living in guilt, people think everybody's judging them, everybody's talking about them. But understand, it's that guilt that should bring you to a place of conviction. It's that guilt that should bring you to a place. The enemy uses guilt and shame to divide you from the body of Christ. The enemy uses guilt and shame to divide you from your support systems. Uh, but what really guilt ought to do is it ought to bring us to a place of confession and repentance and humility where we say, I'm gonna get it right uh, so I can walk free and clear and I can lay my head uh, on the pillow at night and not worry about a thing because I'm living the best I can for the Lord. The Bible says every word, every deed will be evaluated one day. Nothing that is secret. I mean, just, just think about that. Jesus gave the warning in Luke chapter eight. He said, for nothing is 
secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid. Young people, hear me. Elders, adults, middle-agers, hear me. Jesus said, you have no secrets. Jesus said, there is a day coming when all of your unrepented and unrepentant, right, is an about face, it's a turnaround. Jesus said, Luke chapter eight, there's no secrets that everything I do one day that is unrepented, that I haven't corrected, is gonna be judged. Jesus let us know that there is a day coming that whether this world's attitude is don't judge me, bro, or not, there's a day coming where there are no secrets. There is nothing hidden that I'm gonna have to give an account for God. Brothers and sisters, that ought to give us a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord. That ought to give us a healthy dose of walking every day in the reverence and the fear of God about words that I say and things that I do. The warning was clear. Jesus elaborated on this, noting that there's nothing spoken in darkness that would not be heard in the light. Think about this. This is a powerful verse, Luke chapter 12. He said, there is nothing spoken in darkness that will not be heard in the light. And the things that you have whispered in someone's ear in inner rooms. Now, this was before social media. So, and this was before text messaging. And this was before smartphones. And, you know, and before coffee shops. So if we translated this into today's vernacular, what Jesus is saying is you cannot escape your idle words. I cannot escape my idle words. And so what he's saying is, you're gonna answer one day for the words that you sat at the coffee shop and spouted off about. Every idle word. That means when you slid into somebody's DMs, and if you don't even know what that means, then you don't gotta worry about it. Uh, that means when you slid into somebody's DMs on social media and the Lord knows. And one day there's gonna be a light shone on it. One day it's gonna be judged and it's gonna be revealed. That means every text message that you've sent. You know, some of y'all are getting nervous like the cops just pulled up behind you. Every text message you just sent, every idle word you just said, Every conversation you just had that nobody knows about. Nobody knows. I just said, I didn't say no. Yeah, but Jesus himself, this isn't Levine doctrine. This isn't sanctuary policy. Jesus said, you're going to answer for those words. You cannot escape your words. Why is this important? Because as human beings, we are emotional creatures. And when we get emotional, most of us talk a little more. When life gets rough and things get heated, sometimes we speak a little more freely. But we have to be careful because the more words we speak, the more danger we have of our speech becoming sin. Woo. It's quiet in here, but I'm teaching the truth. It's like that cattle prod. <laughs> it hurts, <laughs> but we need it. I've got to examine the words that I say. I've got to examine the things 
your words are an indicator of your character. Whether you're writing them on social media, whether you're sending them in a direct message, whether you're sending them in a text message, or you're talking about them on the phone, your words are a reflection of your character. Do you know gossip is a sin? You know slander is a sin? You know talking about somebody is a sin? You know running down a fellow believer is a sin? You know running down the church is a sin? Every idle word I'm going to give account for. Dear God, we could all just repent right now. Because every one of us, your pastor included, has spoke his fair share of idle words. Remember what I said at the beginning of the lesson, if you're looking for a perfect church, I'm glad you visited, but you want to keep on searching. This ain't a perfect church. Somebody said, I don't want to go to church because there's hypocrites there. Yeah. <laughs> but I hope you don't quit going because if you quit going, there'll be one less, and we like that there's more. I'm sorry. Was it something I said? <laughs> there, as long as there's people, there's going to be hypocrites. But it's funny how we give ourselves an excuse, but somebody else is a hypocrite. Well, we give ourselves a pass. We got a reason for the way we act a fool. But somebody else is a hypocrite. Every one of us have been a hypocrite before, your pastor included. What's a hypocrite? Somebody who knows to do something is trying and looking like they're doing something, but stumbles, messes up, and ain't doing that something sometimes. Anybody ever been there? Let's have a little group therapy. Anybody ever been there? So before we start trying to get the sliver out of our brother's eye, we got to make sure we don't have the fireplace log in our own eye. Well, everybody okay? What time is it? Oh, man, i got to hurry. Holy Lord of God, help us. <laughs> uh, gossip is a sin. Gossip is a sin. Slander's a sin. Secret sin is wrong. It may be secret, but God sees it. It's wrong. When you do things in secret just because nobody knows about them, God knows about them. God sees it. Your words, your actions, they, they matter. Even NASA and scientists tell us that, that words last forever. Sometimes NASA and scientists will pick up decades-old, decades-old radio signals that have bounced around in space and come back and, and are received again. Did you know that? Words never die. I tell every couple that I've ever done pre-marriage counseling with, sometimes if you're not careful, in the heat of a moment, in a fight, I mean not fight, we're Christian, we're saved, we don't have fights. We have discussions. <laughs> Passionate discussions, <laughs> right? But sometimes, five years from now, you might not even remember what the discussion was about, but you'll remember how much the words hurt that your spouse spoke during that discussion. Because words last. Whoever said sticks and stones break my bones, words never hurt me, was a liar, liar, pants on fire. Because words do hurt. Words matter. They never die. If NASA can pick up words that were spoke 
30 years ago that are still bouncing around in space and they can pick up and hear those words again. That ought to just remind us that Jesus said our words do not die and we're gonna have to give an account for our idle words. This is wisdom's warning. He said, but I say unto you, Matthew 12, that for every idle word you'll give account in the day of judgment. And that's, that's only the beginning of our concerns. That's only the beginning of our issues because the other problem lies in the fact that we don't always properly examine our words. Not just are our words going to be judged, but Proverbs 16 says, all the ways a man are clean, where? All the ways a man are pure, where? In his own eyes. That means we think we're doing right. And, and, and I've seen people justify some really, really, really foolish behavior because they think they're pure in their own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirits. In other words, the Lord, uh, he gets a little bit deeper to the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God looks beyond. That's why we need his wisdom, brothers and sisters. That's why we need one another because there might be a blind spot in me. There might be a blind spot in my leadership. There might be a blind spot in, in, in my life that I don't see. So I thank God for godly men and women around me. Thank God for a godly spouse. Thank God for godly voices that can speak into our lives. And if we resist the cattle prod, even though it's uncomfortable, if we resist the cattle prod of God Godly wisdom, we are only hurting ourselves. I've got to align my words and my actions and my motives to God's word. One day, I'm going to be weighed in the balance. One day, I'm going to give an account. You know, the greatest testimony that you and I can have is as the greater the pressure of this world becomes, that I live with the fruit of the Spirit. The greatest testimony we can have is that we are living the word of God under pressure. I'm not worried about if you can have joy when things are good. I'm not worried about if I can be long-suffering when everybody is kind, loving, nice, lovable, and does exactly what I want them to do. But can I be long-suffering when they're not? Can I be patient and kind can I be peaceful? Can I? We okay? Boy, this wisdom stuff kind of gets in our business, doesn't it? Yeah. Some of you are like, what's the next series? Where, where are we going in June, Pastor? Let's get out of this wisdom stuff. The greatest testimony is I can live the fruit of the Spirit when things don't go my way. Because here's the thing. I've seen too many believers lose their testimony when something didn't go their way. Too many faithful men and women of God, young people and old people, all alike. You've seen it too. You're, you're probably thinking of somebody right now. Maybe you're thinking of yourself and a regret in your life where we have lost our cool. We've lost our testimony. We've hurt our witness by how we acted, how we talked, what we tweeted, what we post, what we Instagrammed when we were under pressure. The warning of wisdom is all of those words matter. And everything I do is gonna be judged. But the good news is, I don't have to live under this crushing, impossible expectation. I just say, Lord, 
I need your help. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. Lord, I can't figure this out. And if you ask the Lord for wisdom, we were just talking about it at the end of the pre-service meeting. If you ask the Lord for wisdom, it is humbling how much wisdom he will give to you, how much discretion he will give to you. We just have to be willing to ask. Let me just encourage you, if you're struggling here, I, I, I encourage you, work on your testimony. Your testimony is not just the story that you tell about how God delivered you. Your testimony is how you behave when it doesn't go your way on Tuesday. Your testimony is what you do when somebody hits your car and, 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 and runs into the back into your car and, and, and you're mad and had a bad day already and that's your testimony. Your testimony is how you respond when, when somebody says something to you that doesn't settle quite right and you don't like them anyway. Well, I know I'm not talking to anybody here because we're all way too spiritual for that, right? Your testimony is not just the story you tell with your words. The testimony is built by the responses and the actions and the attitudes and the behaviors in our everyday life. That's what builds our testimony. So our highest priority has to be that we live in the fear of God and we keep his commandments. Wisdom's warning is that I live his word, that I keep his commandments, that if I find myself going down a wrong path, maybe it's because of incorrect priorities. Maybe I'm going down a wrong path because of incorrect information. Maybe I'm going down a wrong path because of incorrect systems or disciplines in my life. Maybe I'm going down a wrong path even if I know better or not, it doesn't matter. Pause, repent, self-examine. Ask somebody spiritual in your life to give you some feedback or some input. Ask somebody, help me with this. Help me with this. Pray with me about this. Counsel with me about this. Because no matter what lot in life you live, we, have, we all have the opportunity to live with God's wisdom. No matter what neighborhood you live in, no matter what side of the tracks you're on, if you miss church on Sunday because you're in a brand new $150,000 bass boat with the best fishing rod on the market trolling up and down the river, you're in the same category is the dude that misses church on Sunday because he's just bank fishing, slapping the bank with a lure he got from the dollar store. Somebody just spent more money to lose out with God than the other guy. Everybody okay? We have to be careful. We have to heed wisdom's warning. We've got to prioritize keeping his commandments. James 1, says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. It, it, it hit me, and I think I put it in your notes, it hit me when I was studying for this lesson that hearing God's word provides information. But doing God's word provides transformation. Sometimes we hear the word of God, and, and yeah, amen, amen, amen. But just like I 
preached on Sunday when I preached about repentance, that, that repentance, the Bible says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, that you can pray without humility. And God doesn't hear prayers that are not prayed in humility. Just like you can pray without humility and not be heard, you can hear the word of God and not be a doer of the word of God and your life never be transformed. Instead of serving God 30 years, you can end up serving God one year 30 times because we never let God's word really transform our lives and change the way we think and change the way we behave. I don't know about you, but I need his word to transform me. God hasn't just called us to lip service. He's called us to life service. God hasn't just called us to lip service of his commandments. He's called us to serve him in all of our Ways. Our greatest obligation in life is to keep his commandments, to keep his commandments. It's got to be our highest priority. And if I truly fear the word of God, then I'll keep his commandments. There is no career worth you not keeping his commandments. There is no vacation destination worth you not keeping his commandments. And it's summertime. I hope everybody gets some time off and, and, and time away. But there, what I'm telling you is there, there's no hobbies that are worth you not keeping his commandments. There's no awards or accolades that are worth you not keeping his commandments. There, there's no relationship, hello, that is worth you not keeping his commandments. And that relationship, uh, as I addressed in family month, that, that could be uh, husband, wife, that could be boyfriend, girlfriend, that could be, that could be a family member, that could be friend, mother, father, cousin, auntie, uncle. There is no relationship in your life worth you not keeping the commandments of Jesus Christ. The Bible is not just a book to be read. It's a book to be lived and followed and obeyed and lived out every day of my life. If you believe that, why don't you stand together with me, and would you just lift your hands to the Lord, and his word is, is halting sometimes, and his word is convicting sometimes, and we need that. We need his wisdom to, like that cattle prod, get in our business a little bit, but would you lift up your voice in your hands right now, and would you just say, Lord, I want your wisdom in my life.